Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Welcome to Flourishing in Isolation. We are on week seven. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you've got your Bibles all ready uh, to go. As you'll know, the last few weeks we spent looking at these prison letters that Paul wrote while under house arrest. Uh, While he went to visit Rome, he ended up being arrested and put in uh, captivity for two and a half years. In that time, he wrote four um, great letters that we have still today. uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and also Philemon as well, a letter he wrote. And we spent some time over the last few weeks asking the question, how can we learn from Paul? How can we flourish in isolation? He was there for two and a half years. We've been in this situation for almost two and a half months and we're still learning how to flourish and to live well. And I want us to encourage us to keep on uh, pursuing God in this season. How can we flourish? How we can lean into God? Some of the questions you've sent through the comments on social media, thanks for those. Do please get involved. Do get in touch. We always love hearing from you. You can either chat live to our hosts if you're online and watching now, or if you're watching on Catch Up, then please, please do get in touch via social media. It'd be great to hear from you. Last week, Uh, We talked about, uh, from Ephesians 4, about living as children of God. This idea that we could throw off our old habits, our old ways of doing things, the ways of living that we used to have. And then we said we we need to put on our new Christ-like nature, like we put on our clothes. And then lastly, we choose to live different. With the the help and the support of the Holy Spirit, we're choosing to live different different, choosing to be kind to those around us. And we're going to repeat some of those refrains throughout Ephesians 5 today. And there are a number of things that keep appearing throughout the book of Ephesians that we'll keep on kind of underlining and underlining because Paul is trying to say this is really important this time. But I think that word choose even there from Ephesians 4 is so important. We are making choices all the time. Every day we're choosing when to get up. We're choosing what we do with our time. We're choosing how we respond to the challenges we face. And the only sometimes the only choice we have is the choice to make something of the opportunity we face in the day ahead of us. And we'll talk about some of that today. So here we are. We've got to the end of Ephesians 4. We're now in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Do get hold of your Bibles if you've got one. I encourage you to get hold of them and have it open in front of you while we're talking through it. I use the New Living Translation. You can obviously use other translations. The words will be on the screen for you. But if you want to read along, sometimes that can be a really helpful way just to kind of understand where we are heading. So starting at verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Imitate God. We all have people that we look up to. I don't know who you look up to. I don't know the people you look and aspire to become like, whether they're business people, whether they are beautiful people, successful people, whether they are uh, you know, successful online and Instagram and YouTubers and influencers, whether they are sporty people or wealthy people, whatever it is that inspires you, you endeavour to imitate them. Uh, what is it you are impressed by that cause you to want to model yourselves on someone else? 
to buy the same outfit, to go to the same restaurants if we could, to hang out at the same places, to copy them on Instagram, whatever works for you. We model ourselves all the time. Maybe it's an older sibling. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a friend. We model ourselves on those around him. I, I personally, I love reading autobiographies. I love reading stories of other people's lives. People are amazing. I remember when I did my theology uh, master's degree, I did a study, uh, one of the topics we had to cover was a study of a secular leader and I, I did uh, research into Richard Branson, I read all of his books, I re researched his life and read his biographies. It's an incredible story, innovator and a businessman, um, but also Christian leaders. I'm inspired by people who've gone ahead, who've, who've blazed new trails, who've pioneered, who've started new movements. And I look and I read and I just study and discover new things because I want to imitate them. I want to learn how to be a better leader. I want to learn how to innovate. I want to learn how to create new ideas because people are amazing. People are incredible. And we, we need people to think differently uh, and to see differently as we try and discover what is this new normal. To be inspired by people, maybe people from centuries ago who can help us understand what we're facing today, to imitate them. People have imitated others for centuries, it's nothing new. But the writer here is saying imitate God. He said, imitate God, copy him, be like him, look at him and try and reflect him. He's saying, you know, that make yourself as much like him as you can be. You know, do you remember those WWJD uh, bracelets that people used to wear, wristbands? What would Jesus do? It's that thought process. What, what would Jesus do in this situation? How can I imitate God in this moment? To remind ourselves that we have the opportunity to choose every day to be more like Christ or to be more self-centered. That is the option we have. And he is saying here that we should be like a respectful child that reflects their parents, that imitates their parents. Ho hopefully, and I always find this as a parent, hopefully they imitate the good bits. There's nothing worse, is there, as a, a parent, your children behave in a way that you know is one of your bad habits. They, oh, they've picked up on that habit I've got. I wish they hadn't seen that or imitated that part of me. But the writer here is saying, you know, imitate God, be like his children, be like someone who's saying, I want to be like my father, God. How do we do that? How do we imitate God? He goes on to have a life filled with love. I think the most reflective way of living life in a godly manner is to be a loving person, to love those around us. If you're ever in doubt of how to behave in this situation or this circumstance we find ourselves, the answer is always to be loving. How can we be more loving? How do I love people who are different to me? How do I understand what they need when I have a different set of needs? You may have come across the different love languages that people have, that, that idea of there being five different love languages. People like touch, they like gifts, they like affirmation. There's different things we all like. And understanding the other person going, how can I love you? How can I show my love for you the best way? And it may be that their love language is different to yours. How do we imitate God and live a life full of love? How do we understand God's people so we can love them in the best meaningful way? And then he goes on to say, to follow the example of Christ who sacrificed himself 
which was a pleasing aroma to God. This aroma idea referring back to the Old Testament sacrifice where animals would be sacrificed and it'd be aroma. There would be a smell um, that God would go, wow, that's great. You've given me your best and I love what I'm smelling. I'm loving the sacrifice. And, and what he's saying here is God's pleased when we sacrifice or kill our selfish desires. When we humble ourselves and sacrifice ourselves the way that Jesus did, that's pleasing to God. When we prefer others, it's always about others. If you're unsure how to act, if you're unsure how to be loving, then just put others first. I don't want to do this, but I know that they do, and I will choose something that others will enjoy. Let's make sure we're focusing on others, never ourselves. It's always about others. It's not about what I can get out of it. This is the very purpose of being a, a follower of Christ, is choosing others, to love our neighbour as we love ourselves, even if it costs me. That's the sacrifice, to think of others before ourselves. We may want to do comfort and rest. We may want to just to take a moment, but other people's needs are more important than our own. It changes our mindset. In a world that is me first, everything changes when we start putting others first. This week um, here at Freedom Church, we've had just yesterday 700 kilos of food given by members of our local community. Individuals coming up in carload after carload, giving generously uh, their, their donations. It's blown us away, the generosity of our town. We're so grateful for what people are doing. But I know that when people give to others, it will enable them to show their love and to be more Christ-like as a human being. I was hearing a story of a friend of mine, uh, Rachel, who went and delivered a food parcel to a man who'd been living in isolation for three weeks and he was, he'd run out of food and he was living off water from the tap, he said, and sucking my old tea bags. I mean, how, how grim is that? And she turned up with this food parcel and he was just blown away that somebody would come and visit him and help him. The church is alive, the church is well, and it is doing everything it can to serve the needs of others. It is sacrificing our ourselves, our own comfort to love others. If you want to imitate God, we choose to show love and that love always puts others first. That's what the first couple of verses are all about. But that's the nice stuff. Now we get into the nitty gritty. Paul writes these words in verse three. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people obscene stories, foolish talk and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. He is being so clear here. I mean, people often kind of find excuses around scripture and, and this is very clear. He's saying, stay pure, stay pure in your thought, pure in your spirit, pure in your attitude. Don't be sexually immoral. Watch your thoughts, watch what you watch, watch your time, watch what you're giving your attention to. Don't be greedy. He's, this is more than just food greed. This is about greedy with our finance or greedy with our health. Again, being self-obsessed, wanting more than we actually need. That's being greedy. Watch what you say. Watch those stories that aren't appropriate. Watch what you share on social media. It may be funny, but it, is it appropriate to share with others? Foolish talk. He talks there about foolish talk, you know, loose lips. How often do we blurt out our thoughts without really thinking through the implications 
of what they might mean. As someone who speaks regularly, who communicates often, I am so aware that my words have the ability to do good or to do harm. And I want to consider what I say before I say them. But often a thought comes into my head and before I know it, it's out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh no, what have I done? We've got to watch our foolish talk, think before we speak, engage brain before engaging our mouth. Or here's a really good thought for you, and I'm still working on this one, that when you see something for the first time, or when you are shown something for the first time, think wow before how. Some of us are very critical, and we get presented with a new idea, and we question whether that's even possible. We question how that could be done. We question the cost of the involvement, or we, 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 we just pull things apart before we go, wow, that looks amazing. You know, when, when my daughter comes up to me and says, Dad, look what I've created. I've designed something. I've painted something. And if I start saying, mm, I'm not sure about those use of colours. I'm not sure whether that's actually cut, drawn to scale. That's not helpful. That's not loving. Watch what you say. And it's the time to go, wow, that looks amazing. I'm so impressed with your creativity. Wow before how is some good advice for us. Even last week, we talked about the importance of building each other up that you know, our words are like buildings. You know, we're creating a building, whether we are putting in foundations or whether we're smashing people down like a demolition hammer at that point. Let's build people up rather than demolish them with our words. And then it also then mentions coarse jokes. And I think this is something we, we need to just watch, I think, in our society about misplaced humour. When is something funny? When is it our humour and not everyone else's? And especially when we cross cultures, sometimes it doesn't work in other areas. You know, the sort of things that I would find funny when I'm, I'm talking one-on-one with my wife, Lottie, we would find things amusing. We'd be out somewhere, we'd just observe something, we'd find it, it would tickle us, we'd think it'd be quite amusing. We might share that with certain friends and certain family members. We wouldn't always share it publicly. It's just not appropriate. We've got to watch what we say. We have so much potential for misunderstanding. I remember once a friend of mine, he got up in front of his church and he was, and he was thanking the worship band and they had like all got matching jackets on. And he made a comment about the matching jackets. He said, of course, those matching jackets are spiritually blessed jackets. And if you want one, they're for sale at the shop at the back. And he was only joking. But a number of people in the congregation thought you could buy these pre-blessed spiritual jackets and went looking for them at the shop afterwards and were very confused by the humour. We've got to watch our humour. We've got to watch our banter. I think banter is fantastic when it's between close friends, where people who really know each other and they know how each other tick. But sometimes it's really hurtful. And actually we're using our humour uh, to cut people down, to have a negative effect on people, to score points, to be passive aggressive. You're making a joke, actually you're pointing at something that's very sensitive to that person and you're actually using your humour as an unhelpful tool. The Greek word here is, if I can pronounce it, is morologia which is a mashup of two Greek words, moros, where we get the word, word moron from, and lego, which is about building to a conclusion. And what it's literally saying there is that don't let your words flow from a sluggish mind that's lost its grip on reality. Don't do moronic talk. James 3 tells us the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The tongue's a small thing, but can do huge damage. We need to watch our words online and offline. 
Our smartphones today can do more damage than just speaking to a friend. They can spread further and faster in moments. My children, they often they laugh at me when I'm, I'm posting online it's how long it takes me to post something. But that's because I'm trying to be really careful about the words I use. I don't want to say something that will inadvertently offend somebody. So it takes me longer than some people to upload a thought or a post. And I, hopefully I, I do that appropriately. And then at the end of verse four, he talks there about being thankful, to be a thankful people to be deliberately every day thankful, to find things to be thankful for, to say, God, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. So good. So good. I hope you're doing okay. We're about halfway through and we've already got four verses done. Are we all right? Amazing. Uh, let's crack on to verse five. There's lots there I'm sure we could think about. We'll mention the thankfulness again in just a moment. Verse Five says these words, you can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will enter or inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Our hidden thoughts and our attitudes are most important to God. The world may be impressed by what they see, but God is impressed by what is unseen, by what is hidden, even from our close friends and family. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We may not behave immorally or be seen to be impure, seen to be greedy, but our secret motives exist in each one of us when we are away from the public eye. And, and don't make excuses. I think that comment there in verse 6 is so important. We often, we, we come up with reasons why. I only looked briefly. I only had immoral thoughts for a moment. I didn't actually act on them. Uh, they made me do it. It was someone else's fault. It was just a white lie. They will never know they are all excuses to tell us it's okay to behave the way that we did. But we need to live differently, to live as God's children, to imitate him, to love like him, to put others first. For once, in verse 8, he said, for once you were full of darkness, but now you are light. You have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Light is an analogy that is used a lot in the Bible, hundreds of times in fact. Jesus said in John 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus again challenges followers in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the light of the world. So he said, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the last one I use now, 1 Peter 2, says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Light. 
Light transforms darkness. Light changes the environment. Jesus is the light of the world and he transformed it. He's saying that you and I are imitators of God, are followers of Christ, wanting to copy him and be a, a little Christ, what Christian means, to be a little Christ, to reflect him. And he reminds us that we are lights in this world that we should let our lights shine into the darkest of places so the world is transformed, the darkness is pushed back and everything is different. We are a chosen people. We have the light living within us. So live as people of the light. Wow. We've got to change our thinking from people, people of darkness to people of light. We should transform the atmosphere every time we step into a new space. Verse 10 says these words, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secrets. But their evil intention will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. Light. We're talking light and darkness. We're talking shame and darkness because shame and darkness go together. Disappointments, things that we wish would be hidden forever, that, that hidden side of ourselves, that shadow side of our personality, the things we'd rather people did not know about and did not see. And how do we expose shame? How do we expose evil? We shine a light on it. But here, here, can I just say this though? Because although that, yes, that's a good thing and a right thing to do to shine light, we've got to be really careful how we do that. Because if we're called to be imitators of God, if we're called to live a life of love that's for others, if we're called to sacrifice our selfish desires and to use our words carefully, can I just ask the question, is it right to shine our light onto everything that is evil if it's only to point out someone else's mistakes? As Christians, we sometimes have a poor reputation of being the moral policeman of the world to make excuses for our own whole behaviour while we point out other people's. We're meant to be different. We shine a light on the sinful activity, but we're often guilty of pointing out the speck in our brother's eye while ignoring the log in our own eye. Yes, light does remove shame but only if that light is requested and it's not forced upon someone else. Is someone's our desire to shine light onto evil just really there to make ourselves feel better, to point out the error of someone else so that our hidden secret stays hidden? We know that every human being has made mistakes, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. Be careful before we shine lights on other people's behaviour. Make sure we reveal the truth in love, that we are doing it with love. And if we're unable to do it in love, I would say we shouldn't do it. If you can't be loving, then it's not for you to shine the light on something which people are doing wrong. Focus your attention on sorting out your own attitudes that are hidden before we start pointing out other people's poor behaviour. We need to live a life of love, we need to imitate God. We need to put others first. We need to be careful with our words. We need to be thankful people who are people of the light. 
Now, as we get towards the end of this first section here, verse 15, as we live by the Spirit's power, says these words. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the law wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and make music to the Lord in your hearts. And he finishes verse 20 here. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. To make most of every opportunity, that's a phrase for today right there. Make the most of every opportunity. We are in week seven of lockdown. I don't know about you, but the original novelty, the original kind of like, this is interesting, this is different, this is fun, has become like, oh, this is what we are now living in. How do we create healthy habits and routines in this week seven moment, in this midterm moment? I was so impressed this week to read an article in the Guardian newspaper that said one in four people in this moment are trying out an online church that have never been to church before. One in four people, 25%. In fact, with younger people under 35, it's more like one in three. They are trying church online. They've never been before and they're trying out something. They're making the most of every opportunity. What opportunity are we making the most of today? I was blown away on Sunday morning when a friend of mine who I've been praying for for a number of years contacted me out of the blue and he's just asked how you're doing. I said, you should join us at church online this Sunday. It starts in a few minutes. And he did. And he stayed online and he came back to me afterwards. We messaged a bit. And I don't know what's going on in his life, but I just know that people are reaching out for something of an understanding of who God is in this time of uncertainty. We need to make the most of every opportunity. On Sunday lunchtime, a a video was launched with over 65 churches singing a song of blessing over our nation. Within a day, a million views had taken place on YouTube. It was on on the the morning TV show this morning as people saying that faith is a real need in our cities and our towns and our villages around our nation at this time. Make the most of every opportunity to live carefully, he says, live in the moment to ask ourselves, what are we learning in this moment that maybe we can learn from in the future? God has given us opportunity to, in this time of of perseverance, to find some fresh gold. Understand what God wants you to do, to lean into him. He also says, you know, watch out, don't get drunk on wine, don't drink too much in those quiet evenings. You may be in lockdown and you may have a full drinks cabinet. Let's consider about using that carefully to consider not just wasting our evenings or wasting our days and just drinking the drinks we have available to us, but choosing to worship him, choosing to put our attention towards God, to get your worship music up nice and loud while you're having a drink, maybe if that works for you. And don't compare yourselves to others. Don't look at others online and their lockdown experience. Maybe they're telling a better story of what they're going through. Maybe they seem to be having a better time of what they're sharing online. Remember that what people share online is often just a 10% of what they want you to see. There's a whole lot of hidden stuff that you're not seeing. But here's the thing we must be doing. 
And he finishes off, off this in Ephesians 3, uh, 5.20. He's saying, give thanks for everything to God the Father. Thankfulness, underlined, underlined. He said it again in chapter 4, underlined, be thankful people. As part of my uh, process of managing uh, lockdown, I've been journaling again. I've been writing and keeping a track of, of what I'm doing with my days, of my thoughts, of what I'm reading, of the blogs and, and articles and podcasts I'm learning from, of the books I'm reading, of the thoughts I'm having, and I'm even writing down the exercises and food I'm eating and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going, God, what? I, I want to start my day by being thankful. So at the top of my journal every day, I write, what am I thankful for? Who am I thankful for? I want to be somebody who is grateful all the time, who lives a life of gratitude. So as we wrap this up this week, week seven of flourishing in isolation, what can we learn from the Apostle Paul from Ephesians chapter five? How do we live as children of the light? Well, there are three things here I want to put to you. Number one, that we need to be people that imitate God, to copy him, to live a life full of love, to be loving, to be kind to our neighbours, to put others first. Number two, I would suggest that we should reflect God by the words that we use, the words that we use, to be light in the darkness, to be wise with what we say, to choose carefully what we are putting out there with our words to build people up not smash them down to be light in dark places number three to follow God by asking him what does the Lord want me to do how do I make most most of every opportunity to imitate God to reflect God and to follow God to live as his children to be his imitators. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, my prayer for all those listening today, watching today, is that they would live as children of the light, that they would transform the darkness, I pray. Lord, using those words from Ephesians 5.10, would they carefully determine what pleases the Lord? Father God, may we listen to you, lead into you, and do what is pleasing to you. And may we give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.